Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the conflict resolution wheel. Syed and I hadn't spoken in years. I had coached him when he was a young rising star at a Silicon Valley tech giant. I had enjoyed my time with Syed. I found him to be an interesting thinker. He had no modesty about what he didn't know. In those days, he was hungry to learn about leading teams and how to manage up. Our conversations were fast-paced and engaging. That was 15 years ago. Now he reached out to me with a thoughtful email. He brought me up to speed about his life. His two boys, who had been very young when he and I had worked together, were on the brink of adulthood. His wife had risen to be a leader in her hospital system, and he brought me up to speed about his work. Syed had stayed at the tech giant, ultimately rising to senior vice president. He expressed gratitude for those years. He left because he had a dream about creating a startup. Wanting to learn firsthand, he joined the leadership teams of two different startups. He drank from fire hoses, knowing he was building his strength for the day he would lead his own company. And then finally, three years ago, he had made the leap. He and one of his best friends created a company where before there had been none. But he said it was not all smooth sailing. The storms were tumultuous, but they had survived, even thrived. Now, however, he felt the ship breaking on the rocks. He wondered if I could help. The issue was with his co-founder and best friend, Peter. Peter and Syed had first become friends during their MBA program. Over the years, Peter listened so often to Syed dreaming about the startup, it had become Peter's dream too. They had dreamed together. There was never any question, but they would be co-founders. Now, a crossroads was coming that would force the company down one road or the other. There weren't enough resources to travel both paths. Peter wanted one road, Syed the other. There could only be one winner. Syed closed his email writing, We are both dug in our positions. It's awful. I'm afraid this could not only kill the business, it could kill our friendship. I hope you can help. Soon after his email, Syed and I got on a call. It took me a minute to adjust the portrait I had of him in my head. In my mind, he still had the flush of youth. The person who popped onto the screen had the depth of age. I could see immediately Syed was raw. When I asked him how he was, he shook his head. I can barely sleep, Tom. He explained that the path Peter favored had been a viable option once, but now it was the wrong solution given the current circumstances. Syed said, His way, we won't be here in five years. My way, I think we triple in five years. We both paused. Quietly, I asked, Syed, if everything could be perfect, what would you want? What would be a good outcome? He said that he stopped thinking as if it were two years ago, that we follow the path that's going to allow us to grow the company. Okay, I got it. And what do you want for the people around you? He said, I want them all to win. Everyone who's part of the company, and there are just under 200 of us now, I I hope they all get rich. What do you want for Peter, I asked. Well, I want him to get rich, too. Hell, him most of all, it's his dream, too. Or it was, but... For the first time, Syed ran out of steam. His chest collapsed. His chin dropped. I waited. Finally, he drew in a breath and began to lift up. That was helpful. 
thinking about what I want for people. I'm not as angry as I was. Thanks. I nodded. He said, you know, I I hear him talking to people and I can't believe what he's saying. And when I call him on it, he gets all angry. We're fighting all the time and we never used to fight. Not ever. That sounds hard on both of you, I said. Those questions, thinking about what do I want for people, that calmed me down for the first time in a while. Thanks. What other tools do you have? I said, you know, it's funny you should ask. Those questions about your wants are one part of a tool. It's called the conflict resolution wheel. The wheel has five wedges, and one of the wedges is wants. When you're working in that wedge, you ask yourself, what do I want for the business? What do I want for others? What do I want for myself? And yeah, I agree, it can be soothing. He asked, what did you mean when you said when you're working on a wedge, what's that? I said, well, the premise of the wheel is that conflict stirs us up. And while we are stirred up, it's hard to resolve a conflict. The wheel helps us sort ourselves out. It asks you to think about your experiences and put them into these five wedges. When you are working on a wedge, you're examining the data from that particular wedge. Do they go in some order, he asked. Well, they don't have to, no. You start where you like. The whole purpose is for you to get some distance. Stop being so stirred up. And that way, when you and he talk, you'll bring a different perspective. Well, that'd be a help, he said. This thing has me so turned around, I cannot figure out what to do next, and I hate that feeling. Okay, thanks. I'll give it a try. Great, I said. I'll send you the PDF. It's pretty self-explanatory. But can I tell you a way to use the wheel that might go a long way in resolving the conflict? Sure, he said. Both of you do it, I said. You and Peter each fill out your own wheels and then come together and share what you wrote. He gave a nervous laugh like he was looking over a ledge. It sounds like the staging ground for a war. Why is that, I asked. Because it's personal, Tom. One of us is going to lose, publicly, so we are enemies. Oh, Syed, I'm so sorry. My hope is that the wheel or something like it can put some structure around this really difficult conversation. I think the structure will make it feel safe. If anything ever gets heated, you can always... Bring it back to the wheel, and that can calm things down. Like thinking about wants calm me down, he said. Yeah, I agreed. He asked, so what are the others? I took a breath and ticked on my fingers. The other four wedges are sensory data, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Go on, he said. Okay, so sensory data. Sensory data is all the input we take in, verbal, nonverbal, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, everything. You have a ton of data inside you that relates to this conflict. Others will have their own data. No one's data is right. It's just their wedge. Everyone's data is their own experience on playback. And then there's the thoughts wedge. Thoughts are where we give meaning to our data. You know, what do we think about that data? What do I think about that phone call? What do I think it meant? What do I think about what I saw? You analyze things. You are logical. You create meaning. That's the thought wedge. Which leads us to the feelings wedge. Look, it's inevitable. Conflict stirs us up. I look at you. You are fighting to keep your dream alive. How could you not have feelings about that? In this wedge... You write them all down, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
He said, I'm not even sure I know all the things I'm feeling. Well, that would be natural, I said. He said, I'm sorry, go on. We have one to go, right? Right. This wedge is actions. He said, as in, what am I going to do next? Yeah, well, that's one way to think about actions. Absolutely. What am I willing to commit to? What is in the future? Another way to think about actions is in the past, right? What have I said and done during this whole ordeal? And one way to think about actions is in the present. What am I doing and saying right now? He said, that's some serious accountability. I notice you're not mentioning him and his actions in there. Don't I get to write about those? (laughs) I'm afraid not, I said. The wheel keeps you focused on you. It's actually a form of self-care. Being accountable feels good. His actions have no place in your wheel. You focus on you. He said, oh my God, I wish I could have said that to my son this weekend. Accountability feels good. I love that. I said, one last thought about this actions wedge. Don't use it to settle what happened in the past. The wheel is forward-looking. Its purpose is to move both of you from, you know, talking about him and me, to talking about us. Well, it sounds good, he said. Even so, it's not going to be easy. I nodded, agreeing. Conflict is uncomfortable. Which won't stop me, he said. Although Peter and Syed each wrote at length about their five wedges, they were reluctant to come together. Peter asked if I would facilitate their conversation, and I was happy to help. To my delight, Peter turned out to be as articulate and mature as Syed, and once I provided some ground rules, they didn't need much help. I was grateful to witness such a terrific display of the look and sound of leadership. I am so glad to share the conflict resolution wheel with you. The wheel was one of the earliest communication tools that I was exposed to, and when I first met it, It was old already. It had been developed back in the 1970s as part of a communication course for couples. And that course is still being offered. It's called Couple Communication. It is at couplecommunication.com. The link is in the show notes. If you attend this course with someone that you are in relationship with, your relationship will change. I promise. And if you're able to implement even half the skills that you would learn in this course, your leadership will change. Taking this class will make your life better. If you can't take the course, get the workbook. All the material from the course is in it. You can order it online. It's called Talking and Listening Together. There's a link in the show notes. The workbook is meant to be self-study. You can help yourself with this. Well, the book and the course teach 11 different communication skills. The purpose always is to give people the ability to have what they call collaborative conflict. And one of the 11 skills they teach is the conflict resolution wheel. So I wanted to write about this in an episode, and I thought, whoops, wait a minute, there is another conflict resolution tool that a lot of you know. This was first introduced in two episodes back in 2017. The episodes were conflict and the conflict conversation, and the tool was Conflict House. In a nutshell, Conflict House is a place where conflicts happen. Inside the house are three rooms, the what happened room, the feelings room, the identity room. Every conflict cycles through these three rooms, and the tool comes from being aware of which room you're in and managing that room consciously. It is a great tool. 
But as I sat down to write, I thought, wait a second, hold on. The wheel has five wedges. Conflict House has three rooms. What if they contradict each other? I really wanted to figure that out before I started to write. So I looked, and it was apparent almost immediately, they do not contradict each other. They support each other really well. And when I imagined them overlaying each other and seeing how I would distribute the wedges, some new ideas emerged. So what I want to do is I want to tell you how I imagine distributing the five wedges among the three rooms, and in each case, I want to tell you why it feels important. Here goes. Wedge number one, the feelings wedge. This is easy. One of the rooms in Conflict House is the feelings room. So boom, the wedge goes in the room, and we're one for one. But what's the lesson? Both models are calling out that you cannot resolve a conflict unless you're able to manage the feelings that are going to be flying around. The challenge for most of us is we didn't grow up with the language of feelings. We didn't grow up in households where the adults were emotionally fluent. And I don't think most of us are emotionally fluent today. But emotional fluency becomes critical if you're going to resolve conflict in a healthy way. One of the tools, I know many of you know this, one of the tools in our tool bin is a feeling words grid. It is a grid of, I don't know, maybe 70 words that are ranked from weak to moderate to strong in categories like happiness and uncertainty and fear. It is amazing to look at this list and see how many words we have to describe our feelings. And in practical use, you know, I think most of us use about four of them. Identifying your feelings, being able to speak about your feelings, this wedge, this room is saying it is vitally important. It's a skill you need. Moving on to the wedge called sensory data. To me, sensory data is like the floor in every room of Conflict House. When we are in the feeling room, we're talking about our sensory data, right? So I might say something like, I felt myself getting so angry. That is sensory data that's in the feeling room. It's also, as you can hear, kind of in the what happened room too. I felt myself getting angry. That's what happened, right? And sensory data is certainly in the identity room. You know, you look at something and you know that it's wrong and you're going to go to battle over it. It is an identity issue about sensory data. So what would the lesson be? If sensory data is the floor under all three rooms in Conflict House, what's the lesson? And I think the lesson is we need to be good reporters. We need to collect good data and report accurately. It means we need to pay attention, make note, be aware. Okay, three wedges left. Thoughts, actions, wants. Let's start with thoughts. I think thoughts and identity overlap so clearly. See what you think. Thoughts are where we put meanings on things, right? I think she threw me under the bus intentionally. That is my thought. I put meaning on her actions. Or I think I deserved the promotion for these reasons. That is my thought. They are also my identity, my thoughts. How I make meaning is who I am. So I think it is a perfect overlay. What is the lesson? I think the lesson from the identity room and the thought wedge is about self-awareness. Be aware of the stories that you tell yourself. It's not do you tell yourself stories. We all tell ourselves stories. That's how we make sense of the world. The question is, are you aware of your stories? Figure out your skin in the game. Thinking about your thinking will help you resolve the conflict. I think that's the lesson. The next wedge, wants. All right, so where 
Where would we put wants? I think wants exists in the identity room and in the feelings room. Wants are in our identity as our motivators, right? Our actions are driven by our wants. That's our identity. And our feelings are attached to our wants. In some ways, I think you could use the word want as a feeling word, right? I think we all know the feeling of wanting something so badly and having an ache about it. That is a want. It's a feeling. It's natural. So I think the wants wedge goes in both those rooms. And the lesson for me about wants, when I can get clear on wants, it often clarifies why I'm actually having the conflict. And it also often tells me the answer of why I want to resolve it. Wants really help me think about the conflict in a new way. Last but not least, actions. So, you may recall the action wedge is actually divided into three sections, past, present, and future. So one little section, the past section, is going to drop inside the what happened room. That's pretty clear. But I looked at that and I thought, now that's really interesting that Conflict House devotes an entire room to what happened, but the wheel gives it like one-third of one wedge. I mean, that is like the biggest discrepancy in the entire exercise so far, right? So that interested me and I was like, what does that mean? Here's what I think. The what happened story is important and when you are in a conflict conversation, it will be important to spend a good deal of time listening to each other's what happened stories. Yes, what happened takes up one-third of Conflict House, but that little section from the action wedge has a very different purpose because the wheel itself has a different purpose. The wheel is a reflection tool. It's a place for you to gather your thoughts before you ever have a conversation. The wheel doesn't want you spending too much time on what happened. The wheel wants you to look forward. So to me, seeing that discrepancy really helped me understand that the tools have different lenses. I don't think they're contradictory. I just think they're different. The other two sections in the actions wedge, present and future, they feel like they belong in the identity room. When you talk about your actions in the present, what are you saying and what are you doing? And also when you talk about the future, what are you committing to? I think it's like you make a pledge. You are giving your word and wow, your word is your identity, right? I think it's a great match. What's the lesson? I think the lesson here actually is about commitments. It's about being accountable for what you say and do, and that can help resolve the conflict. Think before you speak. So that's all the wedges inside all the rooms. Now I have one final thought about using communication tools, and I have a story about what happened when I first used one. I will tell you both those right after this month's gratitude. This month, thanks to Tiona Johnson, a team leader in New York who brought me in to work with her team. It was such a pleasure, such a good time together. We got a ton done. Thank you, Tiona. It was great. Thank you again this month to so many of you who reached out to me about coaching. You know, we hop on a call. We talk for 45 minutes. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. The folks I am always so deeply grateful to, people who post reviews, and by the way, I see what you write. Thank you for what you say. I am so grateful the show is meaningful to you. Thank you. This month, reviews came from Saudi Arabia, Mahabi. Thank you. From here in the U.S., Western Laura, Shoshone, J. Lu Six, and our old friend Todd Thompson. Thank you so much. Your reviews make a big difference. Okay, I want to end by talking about 
actually using communication tools. How do you do it? What's the point? Like, what does it take? I also want to tell you a story about what happened when I tried one. So let me talk for a second about what I think it takes to use a communication tool. I think it takes some courage. Choosing to use any of these conflict resolution tools means that you are choosing to walk into the fray with your eyes up, and I think that can take courage. It feels different. I mean, usually I think if we don't completely avoid conflict altogether, I think we we treat it like we're running into a bunch of linebackers. You know, we put our shoulders down and we just drive through it until we come out the other side. But choosing a tool means you're going to stand up straight and you're going to walk into the scrum with your eyes open. And I think that can take courage. I think it might make you feel really vulnerable. I also think there is courage required to approach conflict with curiosity. It is courageous to let go of being right. Feeling like you're in the right is a really strong defense when you're in conflict. I think it takes courage to let your defense down and say, this is how it looks to me. How does it look to you? And it takes courage to listen. And it takes courage to manage your feelings. I think tools can help give you courage. You can start small. And by way of encouragement, I want to tell you a story about one of the first times I remember using a communication tool, like what happened and what did it look like? So this was a long time ago when I was transitioning into this world of coaching. What really interested me was all the social science that people had done about how language affects outcomes. Having been an actor, right, this made perfect sense to me. I knew language had an impact, but I was learning in books like Crucial Conversations, that there were things you could say that would actually affect the flow of a real-life conversation. And to me, it felt like Jedi mind tricks. If they worked, I wanted them. One of the communication tools in Crucial Conversations is state your intention. State your intention. And there is a whole chapter on state your intention. And the tool made sense to me. Now, at that time in my life, there was a family member who I saw all the time, and this woman was highly defensive all the time. You could tell her, you know, that the salad she brought was fantastic, and she would get defensive. I always got really anxious when I talked to her, so I just avoided her when I could. But there I am reading Crucial Conversations, and I think, you know, when might I have an opportunity to practice any of these tools? And I think of this woman, and I think to myself, Okay, the next time I'm with her, if she starts getting defensive, I want to remember to say, hey, it's not my intention to make you defensive. That's the communication tool. State your intention. It's not my intention to make you defensive. And I said it to myself like a post-hypnotic suggestion. You know, I planted the seed in myself. So sure enough, (laughs) I remember this exactly. She was walking out to my car with me. And she started getting really defensive about something I was saying. And I could feel myself starting to get really irritated. And I remembered like a finger snap, oh, the tool, state your intention. And I immediately calmed down and I turned to her and I put my hands up and I said the words. I said, hey, it's not my intention to make you defensive. And I swear to you, it was like a magic trick. She stopped. She stopped walking, she stopped talking, her shoulders dropped, her face relaxed. 
It was amazing. And I thought to myself, whoa, okay, I'm convinced these tools really work. And they do. I mean, not always quite as dramatically as that, but they work. I hope that you will avail yourself of all the various tools we have for you in our essential tools bin, the wheel, for example, or you could look in our library of episodes. This episode is filed in three categories, communication skills, managing yourself, and relationship building. Specific episodes that you might listen to, well, two are the ones I already mentioned, conflict and the conflict conversation. Also, creating safety for hard talks, a difficult conversation, and resolving conflict. Okay, that's it from me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>